Hi folks, this is Adrienne, and you've joined me in the life room. Thank you for joining. I wanted to talk about a couple of things. Recently, this March, took a trip to Cuba. I think it was a trip of alchemy, a combination of the feeling of strength as a woman um, and the juxtaposition of that, and also it being my birthday month. March 20th was my birthday, first day of spring. So I wanted to come and I wanted to talk about transitions, as I often do, um, and the transition that Cuba alluded to for me. Um, How I arrived at that trip was one day I was saying, I need to get away. I need to get off the grid for a little while. And as I sat on the edge of my bed with that thought, my telephone, my mobile phone, a text came over. And that text was from my friend, Jenny, and she said, let's go to Cuba. And so my immediate response was, absolutely, let's do it. And so we stayed in Varadero, Cuba for three days and then two days in Havana. And Cuba is a place where much of what you see and much of the structures are really, really old because time stood still with the leaving of the Americans um, from Cuba. And of course, the old cars, which people think are really charming, are there as well. But the truth is, is that all of Cuba is not at all that charming. Um, There is a bit of Stockholm syndrome, to say the least, that the people are subjected to. And some of the younger people don't even know it. Wi-Fi is limited. Access to the internet is limited. There are eight TV channels, all of which are controlled by the state. So it's interesting to get off this grid and to have limited access to the luxuries that I am accustomed to um, and to see how the people are living there. Our dollars undervalued in Cuba and the euro has greater value and things that are lighter, including people, are more regarded as more valuable as well. Their dark sense, the centavos, um, says uh, el país es muertes, which is a dead country. And that's a dark coin. People who are darker in tone than me, considering the range of tones in the black diaspora, are the ones that you see cleaning. You don't see them behind the desk in hotels or in office spaces or museums as we visited. So there's all this suffering that still exists there and the whitewashing and coincidences and tragedies of colonialism. Their chief export is sugar. And you can find a can of soda quicker than you can actually find a bottle of water. And that sugar is exported to, guess what, Russia. And the chief import, of course, is oil to keep things moving and running. And that comes in from Venezuela. It's a country that had a bit of charm and a lot of visitation and probably a lot of money running through the economy at one time. And now you go and see architecture that's greatly disrupted and people living amongst rubble that is 70 years old. And that was Cuba. And I thought about all the pain that I saw there. And I really think that 
while I see it there, I've seen it in other places as well. Most human pain is psychologically created. It's either someone controlling another person's mind or another person's mind being interrupted because another person is not thinking thoughtfully. And sometimes it's our own thoughts that we create in our heads. All suffering, all suffering is about the little me entity inside of people that has this unhappy story that it identifies with. And that story is transferred and it's imposed upon other people. We have history. You have a history. And the present moment is given that history to manage. How do I deal with my past is the question. And how does the Cuban people deal with their past is the question. I certainly wasn't encountering a lot of 70-year-olds. I was encountering people much younger. So they inherited the space that they're in. It's not the fair thing to want to do a new thing and have to carry on your back the old. They need to be separated. And the hope is that they can be separated now. And we need to do that in our own heads and in our own personal spaces. Separate the old thing from the new thought and get into the present moment. Why should we do this? We need to do this so that we can be more alive, more aware, more vibrant. Our state of consciousness is altered when we decide to shift from the past. We become a little bit more alert. When we decide to put that past down, we can respond to the new things that are coming to us. There is no such thing as too much on your mind if you handle the matters in front of you. It's really quite easy. The control that we have or the control that's dictated over us is one where we need to make a list and work through the list. We make a list and we pray over the list. We schedule our events. We schedule our lives. We execute our partnerships and our coupling with consciousness. And that's how life gets better. And that's how we create a better history for those that come after us. We schedule everything. We schedule when it is we're going to eat, certain events, when it is we're going to work out. So why can't we schedule living a better life rather than just maintenance. Let's get up and let's do that. It's only then that we can get to what is truly a present moment, one that is a gift to us. When you do this, when you decide that you're going to be truly present and truly spiritually here, it requires you to tell the truth, the whole truth about your experience allowing other people to make their decisions on the basis of truth. None of us can change history. Cuba can't change history. I can't change the history of my parents or their parents before them. But I can dictate the history of those that are coming from me, dependent on me, whose tutelage I guide. I think about things like, how old am I now? that another March 20th has gone. I consider, how many times have I fallen in love? Have I ever fallen in love? How many times have I fallen out of love? Am I really out of love if I've ever fallen in 
How many times did I say yes to something I wanted to say no to? How many times did I say no to something I wanted to say yes to? I think about where I went to school and what I learned there. I think about that history and how it all has made me who I might be today. I think about my body. And me, my body has been well most all of my life. In fact, the most unwell my body has ever been is when I went to Cuba. I was taking an antibiotic that literally put 15 pounds of water weight on my body, had me swollen and running to the bathroom ever so inconveniently while I was on the beach. or out being a tourist in old Havana. I think about my body and the experiences of illness and disease and even allergy as spring arrives. I think about what things make me feel well. What is the ingredient in all of my life that I've experienced that's always been the same? And has that ingredient always been a good part of the mix of my life is the question. What messages do I hear from strangers, from people I pull close, from people I push away? And what are the messages that I'm telling myself? What pain am I creating? What psychology am I investing in is often a question. Do I have a bit of Stockholm Syndrome? Is there a politics, a culture that's been ingrained in me from my birth? And has it been to my benefit or to my walking demise? Our thoughts and our feelings, they change. And as I looked into the eyes of people in Cuba, I thought, how are their thoughts and feelings? What are their thoughts and feelings today? Which ones can speak English, but they're pretending that they don't because they don't want to address the thing in their mind that says there's something different than this for me. And they probably don't want to address it with someone like me, who's an American. The one question they ask perfectly in English is, where are you from? Where are you from? It's a conversation starter, yeah? And some of them want something from you. What do you have in your bag? What can you give me? Can you help me? But where are you from is the question. And we should all want to know where other people are from. It makes us better people. It creates in us true global citizenship to connect with people in other places, no matter their psychology. You can understand someone's psychology and not invest in the depth of their pain. And that's what Cuba taught me. It reaffirmed that, actually, because it's something I've always known. For Cuba, what is always there? What is the ingredient that never changes? Is the question that I had as I got back on that plane to come back to the New York area. What never changes for them? What is that same ingredient? And as as I proceed in this spring season, I have the same question for myself. What ingredient never changes? 
How about you? What never changes in the mix that is you? And don't give it to something outside of you. Really go deep. And whether it's painful or creates a feeling of happiness, figure out what that ingredient is that never changes for you. Thank you for joining me in the life room. Namaste.